This is your host, John Snyder, for The Walk. Ever wondered how a book written 2,000 years ago in a very different culture can still be relevant today? Today's guest is the best-selling author of 16 books, and she inspires women to learn and love the scriptures. Her new book is called Timeless, The Living and Enduring Word of God. This nine-week Bible study is a personal and rich conversation filled with theology, practical application, and hope. We are pleased to welcome author, speaker, and podcast host, Carol McLeod. Let's do it. Great question. How did I get to where I am from where I was? Well, you know, Dr. Snyder, I was born and raised in a vibrant Christian home. And my dad, although you don't know his name, he was a general of the faith. And he helped me fall in love with the Bible when I was just a little girl and hide God's Word in my heart. Um, I went to a Christian university here in America and met my husband there, who was called to the ministry. Um, So he pastored churches across America for about 40 years, and now he's full-time with missions. As we speak, he's in India. We have five children um, and 10 grandchildren. And, you know, um, when I was a little girl, Dr. Snyder, I read a book, Little House in the Big Woods by a woman named Laura Ingalls Wilder. I don't know if your German um, audience will be familiar with that or not, but it's a wonderful child's book. And I thought to myself, I want to do what Laura did. I was only seven years old. I thought, I want to write books. And so that's been the trajectory of my life. I say some people sing, some people dance, I write. I, that's my passion is to communicate the truth of scripture to a generation who's wrestling with pain and doubt, discouragement, depression. It's, it's, there's no joy like it, Dr. John, than to serve the unshakable kingdom of God. And I say, I'm going to cross my finish line sweaty, not (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. (laughs) Yeah, I feel the same. I want to hit the tape running. Yes, yes. So that's why I don't believe in retirement. Uh, I don't know what that is for a Christian. Amen. Now, you've written 15 books thus far, except for the timeless one. That's your 16th, right? That's right. Now, what prompted you to write a book on 1 Peter? Well, Dr. Snyder, ever since I was a little girl, Peter has always been my favorite disciple. And as I grew up and realized I would be writing books, it was always in my heart to write a book about Peter, the disciple. Um, But as I was reading 1 Peter one day, I realized, oh, this is the book. Um, You know, I've often asked myself, Carol, why is Peter your favorite disciple? And I have to, with my head hanging low, say, it's because I'm so much like him. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I just see myself in Peter. He was impetuous and opinionated. Um, He slept when he should have been praying. Like, I've been guilty of that. (laughs) Um, He thought he had a better idea than Jesus. I've been guilty of that. (laughs) Um, And he denied the Lord three times. And how often we do that with our actions or our words. Yeah, that's right. And I think that we can all see ourselves in this man, Peter. Um, I, I've often wondered, Peter, were you wrestling with your faith? How many of us have wrestled with our faith? Jesus, are you real? Are you really who you say you are? Mm-hmm. There, there was something going on in Peter's soul that night that most of us can relate to. But again, the astounding 
stunning thing about Peter is that he was the rock upon which Jesus built his church. He was one of the premier voices of the early church, teaching, discipling, even prophesying. Um, and so I want to be like Peter. Yeah, yeah. You know, Dr. Snyder, the one thing I've never done is cut off the ear of a soldier. I promise you, I've never done that. Well, there's still time, you know. <laughs> yes, there is. There is. Uh, but, you know, the, one of the things I love about Peter, about his boldness, is that on a stormy sea one night, he said to Jesus, I want to do what you're doing. And that's the kind of disciple I want to be. I want to do what Jesus would do in a storm. Mm -hmm. And so as we study the life of Peter in Scripture, he changed. He matured. Um, and, I, and I believe the reason is twofold. He experienced the resurrected Christ, and he was there on the day of Pentecost and was filled with the Holy Spirit. And those two experiences will change anybody. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm very glad for people like Peter. If all the apostles and saints of old were really, truly saintly people and no mistakes, no sins, it would be totally, totally worthless to us in our time and through the times of the generation. So, Peter, um, the more mistakes he made, the happier I am for the same <laughs> reasons. You know? yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think um, Peter proves the point that the only kind of people God uses are broken people. Yeah. So there's there's hope for all of us that when we say yes to God, you know, I, Dr. John, I think about that. So the day that Jesus called Peter, when he was beside the Sea of Galilee, did Jesus know that Peter was going to deny him? Well, of course he sure. did. And yet he chose him still. And it's the same way with our lives. God looks down the trajectory of our lives, and he knows everything we are and everything mm -hmm. we're not. Mm -hmm. And he chooses us still. That's the amazing thing, that he chose us anyway, isn't it? It I mean, really uh, is. I'm always astonished that he chose me, uh, because we have no idea why God chooses certain people. Right. Well, uh, this book um, is a Bible study based on First Peter, which I also like Peter a lot. I've done a lot of work on Second Peter. Why did you name the book Timeless, the Living and Enduring Word of God? Well, really for two reasons, Dr. Snyder. First of all, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, it says, For you've been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring Word of God. And so one of Peter's um, introductory points in this book is that the Word of God is living and enduring. So when you open your Bible, it's not like opening um, a newspaper or a magazine or a novel, because the Bible is living. It's alive. There's energy to it. It's the voice of God written to us. And so one of my goals in writing is that people would fall in love with the Bible, mm -hmm. that they'd say, oh, I love that. I love it that the Bible communicates to me like that. So that's the reason for the subtitle, but the timeless part of it, um, you know, Dr. John, we live in very uncertain days. We, we live in days where sure. Christianity is not honored. It's not respected. Um, and that's who Peter was writing to persecuted, marginalized, a suffering church. And so I believe that what Peter said to the early church has great impact even for us today as the church 
is suffering and persecuted and marginalized. Mm -hmm. And it was written 2,000 years ago. Yes. And most people think anything that old um, is too old to read. But you think it's maintaining its value, don't you? What do you say about that when people ask? Yeah, you know, I, I say, actually, this is a good question, because I was just with a high school friend. She calls herself an agnostic. And she brought it up. She started talking about the Bible to me. So I said, I'll go this way. Um, and she said, Carol, I, I don't understand the Bible. I, I don't understand how you've built your life on it. And I said to her, I'm going to use a, a different name for her. I said to her, Lori, have you ever read the Bible? And I caught her. <laughs> <laughs> I caught her. And I said to her, okay, so listen, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to email you just some passages of scripture to read. And I, I told her where she could go online to read the Bible. And I said, I'm going to send you some verses, some chapters, and I want you to read them and then we'll talk about them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know what, Dr. John, I sent her verses from first Peter because the, some of the verses in first Peter are so applicable to our lives today. They have so much um, value to us today. One of the stories I, I tell in my book, Timeless, is that I was an English and communications major in college, and my English professor told us that Beowulf is the greatest piece of poetry ever written <laughs> in the history of mankind. And I thought, oh, great, I'm going to love this piece of poetry. Well, no, <laughs> you can't even pronounce one word in it. Yeah. Um, but the Bible's not like that, Dr. John. When you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Yeah, that's right. I've talked to so many people over the years and heard uh, just other reports on the radio, internet, and so forth of people who didn't believe a word of anything about God. And for some reason or other, Scripture was pushed in front of them. They didn't want to read it, but they started reading anyway. And suddenly this scale started falling from their eyes. And um, they end up in the kingdom because of the power of this book. Yes. And uh, I could tell you stories all day long. You could tell me stories all day long about that. And I, I think that's really fun. You know, remember Christopher Hitchens, this atheist, traveled around the country and the world? I do. Well, I do. Did you know what his private passion was when he was doing, wasn't debating Christians? What? Was reading the Gospel of John. Really? Isn't that amazing? Uh, he couldn't wait to finish his debates and go back and read the Gospel of John. He was obsessed with it, apparently. And uh, in fact, a book was written about the faith of Christopher Hitchens. Uh, the, no one knows whether he ever came to faith or not. But one thing for sure, he was very interested in the Gospel of John and the portrayal of Jesus that was there. So we don't know what happened in the secret recesses of his heart uh, before he died. But I wouldn't be shocked to find him there in the kingdom at the end. So that's happened too many times to count. But uh, who, to whom are you writing this book? Or did you write this book, Timeless? Yeah, that's a good question. So, Dr. John, as I already mentioned the fact, um, Peter wrote the book to the early church. And so I'm writing my book, Timeless, based on First Peter, to the 21st century church, to men and women from every continent, from all ages, all socioeconomic levels, who are following the resurrected Christ. Um, you know, when, when Peter was writing this book, 
a man, maybe you've heard of him by the name of Nero, was ever in ancient Rome. And even today, Dr. Snyder, when you read about Nero, um, historians say that he was probably the cruelest man ever to live. And I think about, you know, Idi Amin or, or Hitler. Yeah, which is saying something, isn't it? It sure is. And yet historians still say Nero was the cruelest. You know, he was burning Christians at the stake for entertainment, yeah. just raucously laughing over their screams. He was feeding believers to starving, ravenous lions just for sport. And so the people Peter was writing to, likely one of their neighbors had been burned at the stake. Maybe their parents had been fed to the lions. And so Mm -hmm. Peter wrote this book to give the early church hope and the same hope as ours today. (laughs) You know, we've, we've already alluded to this, but our culture doesn't like Christians very much. Um, You know, we're not being fed less and less. We're not being fed to the lions, but we are being fed to the media. We are being fed to the politics of the day. We've been marginalized in the entertainment world. And so we must keep our hope set on Christ, Mm -hmm. not on entertainment, politicians, or the media. I'm waiting for the day when uh, the Bible and Christian preaching will become hate speech. Yeah. Uh, And then laws will be passed, and then we're going to find out... uh, Who's the real thing? You know, when uh, right. when you measure Christianity by the price it costs to be one, you have a completely different scenario. And I believe those days are coming. I don't look forward to them. I don't. I don't think suffering is anything I'm looking forward to. I don't want for anybody. Uh, but I believe that it's on the way. Yes, and it's already happening in so many regions of the world. Yeah. You know, you're fairly safe where you are. I'm fairly safe where I am. I mean. We might be mocked or or minimalized, but there are places in the world where Christians are being persecuted. Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, we shall see, but uh, we'll be hanging on to books like 1 Peter for a long time to come. We sure will. Um, What is your favorite verse from 1 Peter? Do you have one that stands out over the others? Oh, I I love that. I I have several, but I'll I'll give you one, okay? It's 1 Peter 5-7. Cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So this is what Peter said to this, again, the suffering church, to people who'd heard the screams of family members being burned at the stake, eaten by the lions. And and yet Peter said to them, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And you know, Dr. John, there's so many times in life when, when we might say, like um, Martha did when, when her brother Lazarus died. Jesus, don't you care? Do you, do you even care? Yeah. Well, the, he does care, and we can give him our cares. This word cast is the Greek word eparipto, and it means to violently toss, to, to throw with all your force. And so we must violently toss, throw with all our force our cares upon him and not take them back. And they're in good hands because he cares about us. He cares about our lives. He cares about our children. He, mm-hmm. he cares about our hearts. Um, that we can rest knowing we serve a God who cares forever. And the worse the circumstances, the more you discover how much he cares. That's so true. So it's, it's one thing to say that about, you know, the average middle class American mm-hmm. on the way to the soccer game. 
But uh, when you're on your way to jail or prison in some other country, uh, you do learn in those, at those moments what it means to cast your care upon him and what it means to have him actually care for you. Yeah. You know, or you're dealing with a prodigal. You realize how much God cares about you. You're mm-hmm. battling cancer. You realize he's, he's surrounding you, that in his presence there's fullness of joy. Mm-hmm. Suffering really does um, magnify his care for us. Mm-hmm. We experience him in those places. It's, it's almost a, a sweet contradiction. But for a believer in Christ, when we suffer, when we're dealing with human pain, we're surrounded by his presence again, where there's always fullness of joy. Yeah. And the Bible says that he actually feels, shares our pain with us yes. while we're suffering. Yes. He doesn't just look down upon us and see, see it. He enters into it himself, mm-hmm. uh, which is part of the meaning of the cross. Mm-hmm. Now, you have, you have a very interesting um, take on this, that joy and rejoicing are central themes. Uh, what have you learned about this, about joy from this book in the Bible? Oh, you know, if you want to know more about joy, First Peter is actually a great book to go to. And so I'll read you just, just one verse that, that deals with this. It says, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. So Peter says, if you're going through something hard, if you don't like your circumstances, open your mouth and sing. That's the advice of Peter to a suffering mm-hmm. church 2,000 years ago. And it's his, his advice, his timeless advice to us today. So now this little phrase, in this you greatly rejoice. It's the Greek word agaliao, and it's a uniquely Christian word. Dr. Snyder, it's never used in secular Greek literature, agaliao, but it's used throughout the New Testament, and generally it's used with rejoicing when you're in pain. Mm-hmm. So for your listeners today, if you're going through something hard, if you're going through something you don't like, lift your hands in the air and sing a song of, of praise to the one who made you and the one who cares about you. Um, Dr. John, I, I have a theory that I'm just really developing now, but, um, you know, our generation, we've done a really good job of teaching younger generations of Christians how to walk in your destiny, how to live a purpose-filled life, how to make powerful declarations, and all of those things are good. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those, but what we have neglected to teach them is how to suffer well, mm-hmm, that's true. and suffering is a part of the human experience. And so Peter teaches us that in his book. And one of the pieces of instruction we have from Peter is to greatly rejoice. Agaliao, open your mouth and sing. Mm -hmm. You know, the New Testament writers actually created new words that were never used before for joy. They would use uh, super superlatives that uh, because they didn't have the regular word joy wasn't enough to explain it, to describe it. So they created these super superlatives to capture the quality and the, the power of the joy they had in their suffering. Uh, have you ever heard of um, William James? Uh-huh. He was the, considered the father of um, American psychology. He was a Harvard professor. He dedicated his life to investigating all the religions of the world. And he made this remark that stuck with me. I don't, can't think of anything else he said. 
that's dead, but this did. He said, uh, there is a unique happiness found only among Christians. Mm. That's very interesting, isn't it? Coming from a guy who knew just about everything about the world's religions. And joy and happiness were the things that stood out in his mind as that which um, described and portrayed them. Good stuff, isn't it? So was he a believer? Was William James a believer in Christ? No. Wow. No, I, he, I think he was an atheist. I, didn't, I don't know exactly, but I'm 99% sure he wasn't a Christian. But he was an honest scholar. Uh-huh. And he just found this information in his researches and reported it just how it was. Wow. You know, I, I love that. that I, I was writing it down while you were saying that. You know, mm-hmm. the thing about joy is that it's part of how we fight a battle that we would rather not be in. Mm-hmm. Um, that we can never allow our circumstances to steal our joy. You know, Nehemiah 8.10 says, Be not grieved or depressed, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And, and the Lord has given us joy to get through the hard times in life. Yeah. Now, the enemy tries to convince us that, you know, um, it's, that joy is wimpy, that it's not strong, that there's no way you can have joy right now. But we must never forget that joy is, is our fighting technique. It's what gives us strength. Mm-hmm. I, I love what you said about a super superlative, um, that, that joy is that almost inexpressible, and, and Peter calls it inexpressible joy, um, mm-hmm. that helps us get through the hard times in life. Yeah. Uh, Peter says, um, and though you have seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice. There's our agaliao with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Yeah, that's right. Let me change gears here a little bit because uh, sure. we're running out of time, but yeah. I want to find out how your TV show is going. You know, it's going great. Thank you for asking. We had a great season one, and we're about to record um, season two. It's called The Joy Life. I'm just teaching the Word of God to the men and women of our generation, just just calling them to the truth of Scripture. Um, I, I think if, if I could choose my legacy, Dr. John, that would be it, that I was a woman, I was a disciple of Christ who found great hope, truth, and encouragement in the timeless Word of God. Mm-hmm. Ever heard of um, Henrietta Mears, by any chance? Yeah, who is that? Remind me. She was uh, the, one of the most remarkable uh, women in church history. Uh, she was a person who started a women's Bible study group. It grew to 500 women. And then she was hired by the Hollywood Presbyterian Church. And then uh, their uh, Sunday school grew to a point, I think it was like 6,000. And uh, she started uh, her publishing company and a retreat center. She was influential in the lives of um, Bill Bright, Campus Crusade, Billy Graham. Mm -hmm. The whole thing was based upon her passion for Scripture. Mm -hmm. That was the foundation of everything she ever did, thought, and said publicly. And uh, she communicated that. In fact, when I was in seminary, every time I met somebody from California, I would ask them, "What, what are you doing here? And I got to the point where I didn't have to ask them anymore. If they're from California, they said, Henrietta Mears. Wow. <laughs> she just had this powerful, overwhelming influence on people. But the passion and love of Scripture was her 
preserve her foundation. So you're you're in the right direction. You're the right person in the right way, and uh, you've you've caught the same bug she had. See, I guess so. It's contagious. <laughs> yeah, it's contagious. It's contagious. Yeah. Well, look, um, just tell me uh, one more thing. What's next for you? What's what's coming down the the road here? Yeah, so I'm in the middle of writing um, my next Bible study. The name of it is going to be Collide, and you've probably guessed it's on the book of um, Colossians, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, because our culture does collide with Christ, and so it's a glorious collision, and I'm loving going deeply into the pages of Scripture. My, My jaw is just dropped my my heart races dr snyder when when i study the truth of scripture mm-hmm. so um that will come out next summer i'm also after that book is done i have another contract to write a book a lighter book and the title of that will be today is a verb and so it's all the ways we should tackle today mm-hmm. and love the life we've been given it'll be sort of a little bit richer than a devotional. Um, I have a podcast, the Significant Women Podcast. It's in the top 10% of all podcasts where I interview women, let them tell their story about what they've been through in life and how the Lord has been faithful. Um, So those are some of the things I'm up to. My life is rich and full, and um, my husband and I are serving the Lord with our whole hearts. And there's nothing we'd rather do. You've been listening to author and podcast host Carol McLeod discussing her 16th book, Timeless, The Living and Enduring Word of God, available now. Thank you for listening today. Again, this is your host for The Walk, John Snyder. We look forward to being with you again with more light, hope, and biblical truth. So long for now. Mm